Amen. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? All right, good stuff. Hey, um, one, before we go anywhere in the message, I want to point something out. In your bulletins, if you were not here last week, you know last week was kind of uh, Labor Day weekend, people are traveling and whatnot. Um, as we've kind of walked through this series of who we are as a church, and we say, hey, there's some things that are important to us. We said serving is very important. I'm not going to preach the whole message again. Uh, but in your bulletin insert, there is a thing that has a number of different areas. If you're not involved somewhere, let me encourage you, look over that list. And just say, hey, I would like to get plugged in with our kids' ministry, student ministry, behind the scenes, whatever that may be. We've got an opportunity for you to use the gifts that God's given you. And there's a whole bunch of things on there. Put that on a Connect card or even the better thing. Go in the Church Center app and say, I want to serve. And that will let us know. We'll get in contact with you. We'd love, for get, love to get more people plugged into the ministries that are going on at South Point Church. And so... We are kind of going through a series. We said, hey, probably once a year, we're just going to say, hey, this is who we are. Like as a church, we want, if you're new, we want you to know this is what our church is about so that you kind of don't walk in and go, are they crazy? Is it weird? Like we're crazy. There's that. But we're a good kind of crazy, like the kind you want to be around. And then we also said, hey, if you've been coming here for a while, if you're a member, you've been attending South Point for a while, we need a reminder of what's important to us. Like what are we about and I'm really excited for today because we're going to talk about the idea of missions. Missions being something that are very, very important to South Point, but we also want to talk about why. Like, I grew up in a church where missions weren't really a thing. I knew they existed. I knew there was someone named Annie and there was someone named Lottie. Um, and around Holly, if you're, some people are laughing, you, you grew up in the denomination I grew up in, um, where around holidays we, we raised money and sent it to missions, but I had never really been a part of that. My freshman year of college, I was interning at a church, just the, the low-rung, low-intern guy, and we went on a mission trip. We went on a mission trip to Tennessee, and I, when I say Tennessee, I mean like up in the Appalachian Mountains, Tennessee. Um, so a good first-hand experience in missions to where had a number of family members are like, look, if you hear banjos playing, you get out of there. Um, some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about, so there's, we're kindred spirits, but uh, it was very, one, let me say very entertaining. Uh, going there and realizing, hey, not everyone in the country looks like me or has my upbringing or, or has the experiences that I have. Some people have different experiences and being exposed to that and being able to do mission opportunities and going to like a, a YMCA and just doing a basketball clinic with kids that came from a pretty rough background. And then going with a group of students like up into the mountains where I had a, <laughs> a bunch of them, they were like, what is that? And I was like, that's called an outhouse. What do you do there? You'll figure it out <laughs> when you go in and realize there's no plumbing in this place. Um, but it was such a neat exposure for me because I got to watch God do things in people's lives in the areas that we were working in. I got to watch God do things in the lives of students and adults that had gone on that trip. And I absolutely fell in love with the, 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 the calling that is mission. And since that time, I've had the opportunity in ministry to go a lot of different places. Some little kid from East Texas, I've got to go to New York City, the Big Apple, got to do ministry on Times Square. I remember early one morning, we were doing a Bible study at a homeless shelter. And the guy sitting next to me, I could have put my arm on his shoulder. And he's got some tattoos that would say, I've killed people. And he's literally right next to me. And he is soaking up everything from Scripture. And I remember getting done, and we had a breakfast with him afterwards, and he was talking with me. He said, hey, where are you from? I said, a place that you've never heard of if you're from New York City, a little town called Madisonville. He goes, I know exactly where Madisonville is. And I knew exactly what was going to come out of his mouth next. He goes, I spent 12 years in Huntsville. Um, that's, where, that's the hub of Texas prisons. 
I was like, yeah, yeah, you, you know where Madisonville is then. And I've had the chance to go to other countries and go into a country in South America where they said, hey, ministry is going to be difficult. And we went home to home sharing the gospel, and it became so apparent that God was moving. I had the full expectation, I'm going to knock on a door or poke my head in someone's window. They're going to let me in. Someone in our group is going to share the gospel, and a life is going to be changed. It became that apparent. It was the expectation. Like, I love missions. And I love that over the years I've got to see that missions have just as much of an impact on the people that we go to as the people that we send. You want to grow your faith, be a part of the mission that God has called us to. So missions are important at South Point Church. If you go outside and you see kind of what our core values and our vision are, missions fall into both of them. It's something that's very, very important, not just as individuals, but as a body. This is something we want to be about, but I hope we understand why. And so this morning, I, I just want to look at some scriptures and kind of unpack why is the idea of mission important to our church and our vision and calling in the greater scheme of the church. And so we're going to be, to start with, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, probably know where I'm going, and you can see it on the screen. It's a great commission. Something you've heard probably a number, if you've had any church experience, you've probably heard this a lot. But maybe you haven't. And maybe you've heard it a bunch of times, but you've never realized the calling and mission that is found in this. And so in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our mission, our mission is a command surrounded by promises. When we read Matthew 28, 18 through 20, there is a command in there. Maybe you've never seen this before, but there is a command. And thankfully, it's sandwiched between two promises. And when we put all of that together, it makes mission possible. So let's just start with the command itself. In verse 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's, that's not a suggestion from Jesus. This is one of the last things that he's going to say to his disciples. It's one of the last things that's going to be recorded on planet earth, this side of heaven, from our Savior. And it's not a suggestion, it is a command that has been given to us. And it's a heavy command. It's difficult and it's hard, but that doesn't negate us doing it. And so as he starts off, the first thing he says, which makes it just so easy, go. He didn't say stay. He didn't say sit, heal, whatever. He said go. Go implies getting out of our comfort zone leaving what is known and walking into the unknown. And he is calling us to go into those areas. Everyone has your comfort zone. Some comfort zones look different. Some are bigger, some are smaller, but everyone has something that you go, I know how to operate in this sphere. 
Like, it's the things that I do every day. It's the things I'm comfortable with. It's the things that I'm kind of on autopilot on. Like, I know I will get up at this time, whatever responsibilities I need to do, I figured out how to do them in a sort of timely manner in a way that accomplishes the goal. And by the end of the day, I can go to bed. Like, I know these are what makes me feel good. And yet, Christ is saying, I want you to go. I want you to leave that comfort. Leave what is known for the unknown. And throughout Scripture and throughout the history of Christianity, this is unbelievably apparent. Like you look in Scripture, you've got Abram thousands of years ago, a guy named Abram, we call him Abraham afterwards. He's sitting out, he's in his comfort zone. He's wealthy, he has a lot of animals, livestock's the big thing back then. He's got family, he's well respected. And then this God that he doesn't really know shows up and says, Abram, I am going to call you out. I'm going to make you a great nation. And I'm going to send you to a land that I will give you and your descendants. Well, which way? That way. How far? Start walking. That's a paraphrase. But he gets called out. He's like, I've got a comfort zone. Like, I'm respected. My family's respected. I'm taken care of. And yet God is saying, hey, I want you to leave what is known for the unknown because I've got great promise in it. And he's faithful and he leaves, and the country of Israel is birthed out of him. You skip forward a little bit. you got Moses. Moses has left Egypt. He's got a good father-in-law. He's got a wife. He's got things taken care of. And one day, he's just tended to some sheep. Like, that's a pretty good comfort zone. All i got to do is take care of these things. And then, oh, what is that? That bush is burning. <laughs> and uh, why is it talking? <laughs> like, God starts to speak to him and say, hey, hey Moses, I want to take you out of your comfort zone. And I want you to go. I want you to free my people through my power. And it's not going to be comfortable. You're going to stand before the most powerful person on planet Earth, but I'm going to go before you. And sure, Moses made some excuses, like, I'm not really good at talking. Got you covered. Um, but he goes. He leaves the comfort into what God is calling him to do. Paul. Man, Paul is suddenly becoming respected, this great apostle, and then he's sent on all these missionary journeys where it is not an easy time, where he's persecuted, where he's ultimately killed. And then if we look at the history of Christianity, I would encourage you, if you never really studied missions, there are some missionaries that you would do well to learn their life and see the example that they left. Guys like David Brainerd, early in the American histories before the United States of America even existed, there was a guy who looked around and said, there's indigenous people and I'm going to learn their language and I'm going to take the gospel to them. And I'm going to do that until I die. And he died at a young age knew God is calling me to this. He's taking me out of my comfort zone and he's called me to go. There's a guy named Jim Elliott. If you've ever seen the movie At the End of the Spear, if you've never seen it, I would encourage you to watch it. It's phenomenal. This is a guy and a number of missionaries that went to South America, worked with a group of indigenous people that were well known for killing everyone around them. And they went and they said, we know God's called us to this and we're going to minister to these people. And then those people killed them, made them martyrs. And instead of vacating, the family of those martyrs said, we're going to press in even more and show them what the gospel looks like. And a whole tribe is converted. These were people that left the comfort of what was good for them and said, I'm going to walk into the unknown because I know that God has called me, one, to go. And he's called me to make disciples, to go to people and say, hey, stop your religion, whatever it is. Hey, atheist, hey, agnostic. Hey, Buddhist, hey, Muslim, hey, Zoroastrianist, pick whatever. I want you to leave behind what you consider religion. Hey, good moral person. Morality does not get us eternity. And we're called to go and make disciples. Hey, step away from that, hear the gospel, and follow Jesus. 
Because when we follow Jesus, we find changed life. We find a new creation, and we find someone being made into a disciple. And he says, I want you to do that not just where you are, but go to all the nations. When we're on mission, we don't just go on mission where people look and sound like us. Sometimes we do it in our communities, but he says, hey, I want you to go to all the nations. Depending on how you define it right now, there are anywhere, and it's kind of a broad number, but anywhere between 3,000 and 16,000 different people cultures. People who speak different languages, different dialects within that language, people who live in different nations and countries and tribes, people with different cultures. They don't look like us, they don't talk like us, and yet we have been called and commanded, go unto all the nations to make Christ's name known. Whether that's 3,000 people groups or 16,000. This is why it takes the whole church of going, hey, we're going to reach out and we're going to spread the gospel because we've been commanded to go to all the nations, baptizing them, letting them see that, hey, there is a, a public display of the death of Christ. That when we take someone below the water, there's a picture in that, that there was a time spiritually they were dead. And when we bring them out of the water, there's this picture, this glorious picture that through Christ, they had been made into a new creation. They've been washed of their sins. And it's a calling to say, hey, we want to see people baptized, to see that public display of Christ's death. And then he says, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Teaching and observing here is not teaching people just simple Bible facts. This is not so someone can be better at Bible trivia or maybe feel better about themselves. Teaching to observe means, hey, we're taking it beyond that and you are obeying. Teaching someone when they find something in Scripture, Scripture wins. Where when I look and I see, hey, this is how I'm called to love. I'm called to love my neighbor like myself. Do I love myself? Yeah. So I'm called to love my neighbor like that and teaching them to obey that. That's what observe means. This is not simply relaying information to someone. It's teaching them to observe the commandments that God has given us that when we're in Christ, sanctify us and make us more like him and make us want to follow after him even deeper. And so here's the command. Man, that command is hard. Go. Leave your comfort and go somewhere where there's probably going to be some discomfort in some way. Maybe discomfort in your lodgings, maybe discomfort in, you know, a language barrier, maybe discomfort in persecution, but go. Teaching them to observe and obey and all these things, this is difficult. And left to ourselves, it's probably, it is impossible. But it's a command, but here's the great thing. It's nestled between two promises. The first promise is this. He says, all authority, not some, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus talking, not me. Jesus says, all authority, whether it be on this earth that you see, whether it be in the heavens that you can't, all authority has been given to me. And so his authority and his power is with us. When we go on mission, whether that be local or abroad, his power is with us. It's his authority that we preach under, not ourselves. It's his authority. It's his authority that goes before and makes a way. It's his authority that goes and does all the things, and we rest under that authority. We don't do it on our own strength or right. It's his authority, and I'm thankful for that. But if I'm going to fall under some authority, it's going to be Jesus. And he says, it's all mine. It's a promise. The authority that I have to send you 
falls under me. And the second promise is at the end. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's never a moment when we are on mission doing what he has commanded us that he is not with us. He goes before us, whether that be protection. If you've ever been on a mission trip, sometimes you go to areas that it could be dangerous. And Christ goes before us in absolute protection. I remember being in Venezuela, a third world country, and we'd left some equipment at an apartment, maybe 100, 200 yards away from where we were. And I just was like, I'm going to go get it. So I'm just kind of jogging through a street, and I hear behind me this small voice going, hey, hey. And I turn around, it's one of our translators, a kid named Cesar. Um, and I was like, what's up, bud? And he's like, sophomore in high school. And he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to get our sound equipment. He said, it's not safe for you to go alone. I'll go with you. And I'm looking at him like, Cesar, you're 100 pounds wearing a 20-pound backpack. Like, you're literally a stick. If you're my protection, we're in trouble. <laughs> like, maybe some other people, but we're going to let God go before us, all right? You can come with me, buddy. You can you be right by my side. It makes me feel better. It makes you feel better, probably. But we're going to let God go before us. He's the one in protection there. Um, but he's the one watching over us, even in places where you go, hey, I need him. Of all the trips I've been on, there is one time that I knew, hey, I'm a little nervous right now. And it wasn't some other country. It was in the States. One night, Kansas City, Missouri, we were working in a rough neighborhood, and we were leaving the next day, so I was trying to fill our vans up. And I'm at a gas station, and I realized something is about to happen here. And a guy walked up, and he said, hey, you don't need to be here. And I went, you were very right. I can get gas tomorrow. And that was, I think, God going before me. I don't know who that guy was, but there wasn't anything in my spirit that didn't know you mean exactly what you say. And I'm going to leave because I can, in fact, get gas tomorrow. God goes before us with his authority, and he's with us always in protection and preparing hearts. So many times we go on mission, and we're talking with someone, and we find, like, did, did I already preach this? <laughs> like, something's already happening here, and that's Christ going before us, preparing people for the gospel message. It's what he does. And when he says, and it's his promise, if he says, I am with you to the end of the age, the end of the age has not come yet, which means we are still on mission. This command and these promises are still in place. You and I are being called to go. And so this is important to us because we know as believers, as a church, we have been called to it. I want to make a statement, and I'll explain it a little bit because it may sound a little weird. But it's this. Missions exist because worship does not. You'll notice that's in quotations. I didn't come up with that. Um, there's a pastor, theologian, a guy named John Piper. Uh, he wrote a great book on missions called Let the Nations Be Glad. I would encourage everybody to read that. Um, he made this statement, and this statement became something people grabbed onto. And at first it's like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? And the more he impacted, it, the more I've kind of run with it. He says, missions exist because worship does not. It's because where you don't find worship, you find people who are far from God. Where you find worship, you find people who know Christ and are hopefully growing in him. And that worship of Jesus exists. But where the gospel hasn't impacted, you don't find worship. Therefore, missions exist. 
See, worship is the fuel for missions. Worship fuels our idea of mission. So a couple examples of that, and you don't have to put this next verse up, Nico, because I realized last service I botched it and uh, then forgot to make a point of correcting it. So Psalm 91. No, I just completely botched it. So let's just go to the next one. Psalm 67. (laughs) Psalm 67. Three and four. Sometimes I transpose things and sometimes I don't realize it till I'm right here. So glad you tuned in. Are we live? Yes, we are. Psalm 67, verse 3, it says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equality and guide the nations upon earth. This is worship taking place. Worship is what fuels mission. Where true worship doesn't exist, It becomes our mission to take it there. It becomes our purpose in life, this calling, this command to see that happen. Because worship is the ultimate goal. Missions actually are kind of a a second thing to it because worship is the ultimate goal. See, there are some things that we do on this side of heaven. Everybody that I'm looking at, if you're online right now, you had to be able to tune in, you're alive. One day when we're on the other side and we're in eternity in heaven, there are some things that we do on earth that won't exist there. Some of them we celebrate, like sin, won't be anymore, praise God. But some things like evangelism. Evangelism is something we do on this side of heaven. Taking the gospel out to the nations, to the world, making his name known, because when we get to heaven, evangelism will not exist anymore. It will be all believers. That will stop. Missions is something that we do on this side of heaven, seeing that people... Hear the gospel because one day missions will not exist. Worship will exist for all eternity. And so we take worship a number of places. Sometimes we take it to our homes. What do you mean we take worship to our homes? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a kid. that go. They don't really understand what that is. And we teach and we proclaim the gospel. And we watch as that grows. Man, I just about busted out crying that last song that we sang. Because I'm sitting in the back with a five-year-old who's singing the song really loudly. And man, it made my heart glad because I try and teach my kids that because I know like I need to impart the gospel to them. So sometimes it's in our homes. Sometimes it's to our neighbors. I want to, I want to make something very, very clear when it comes to missions. We are called to our neighbors. If you're not willing to do, if you're not willing to take the gospel to your neighbor, but you're willing to take it across the globe, we've missed something. And we've kind of fallen into this thing where it's like, hey, I love to be able to go on mission and raise money, raise funds, and go and tell someone across the world about Jesus, but I'm not going to do it with my neighbor. We have missed the mark. That is not how missions was designed. That was not the heart of it. That's not what needs to be taught. If we can't do it with our neighbor, we need to learn how to do it with our neighbor first. Because we've got neighbors all over the place that worship doesn't exist. Right here in good old Abilene. We take it to our community, and yes, we take it to the nations. We're called to do it here. We're called to do it abroad. And so in light of that, we've kind of taken the last couple of months and we've really tried to rework our mission and vision statement when it comes to missions. Because we say, hey, we want this to be important. We want to do a good job with it. We are always trying to improve the things that we do at South Point Church. Whether that be student ministry, kids ministry, men's, women's, missions, any of that. We are always looking at that and saying, hey, we know that the gospel calls for more. Like, we will always want to be moving forward in that. And so I'm very thankful um, 
Ready to go. Amy, uh, Amy Songer has come on as our missions coordinator, and she's doing a great job in connecting with our missionaries, um, getting to hear their stories, because we want to be able to relay that to our church more often. And so even within that, we kind of reworked what we say is important when it comes to missions at South Point. And we said the missions ministry at South Point Church exists to foster true worship through gospel-centered opportunities across the nations where true worship does not exist. We want to understand missions, build relationships between missionaries and the congregation, and be personally active in missions. That's important to us. We want to foster worship. We want to point people to Jesus. Whether that be in our community, whether that be on a mission trip we may go on, we want to point people to Jesus. We want to foster worship through gospel-centered opportunities. It has to be about the gospel. This isn't just a social thing. Like anything that we do when it comes to mission has to be filtered through the gospel. I don't want them to just feel better about themselves. I want them to know the gospel. I want them to know that God created the world in absolute perfection and that mankind railed against that perfection and sin entered into the world and it separates us from God. And yet in his love and grace and mercy, he sent his son 2,000 years ago in the time that he appointed, Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life to pay the price for my sin and your sin. I deserved death. That's what scripture would say. We all did. And yet Christ loved us enough to come and lay his life down so that through him we could find forgiveness through his blood on the cross. Through him we could have grace and mercy poured out on us and we could have a way back to God. We could find forgiveness. We could find eternity in him. And it's only through Jesus. And so when we say through gospel-centered opportunities, everything is through the gospel. Across the nations, you've heard me say this before, whenever Jesus was talking to Matthew and he said, go unto the nations, you know where the nations were? Didn't exist quite then, but Abilene, Texas. He's on the other side of the world and he's talking about places far away. We're pretty far away from Jerusalem. Uh, it takes a little while to get there. And yet, we were the nations then and now we look, and we look across the globe at all these cultures and we say, hey, we want to take that to the nations. Whether the nations be right in our backyard or the nations be a long plane ride away. We want to take that where worship doesn't exist. We want to see worship not of ourselves or anything that we're doing. We want to see worship of God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That becomes important to us. And then at the same time, we want to understand missions, kind of what we're doing today. Like, why is this important? Why is this a calling? And not just for some, but really for all. Um, and at the same time, we want to build relationship, relationships between our missionaries. We want to do a better job of that. We support missionaries across the globe. And you've heard us talk about that the first Sunday of each month. We always pray for one of our missionaries. And you got to see, if you were here last week, you got to see um, Alex and Amy Krutoff kind of talking through. And you got to hear some prayer requests from them. And so I just want to kind of go through so, again, that we kind of see who some of these people are. The first one you see behind me is Alex and Amy Krutoff. They work with an organization called The Harbor. They work in Russia. They work with orphans aging out of the orphan system where 90% of them will go into some life of organized crime, disorganized crime, drugs, and a dark future. 90%. And they'll just repeat the process that got them there. They have a program called The Harbor where they bring these kids that are aging out into a system. They teach them life skills, trade, share the gospel with them. And their theirs is completely flipped. 90% of those, those kids then grow up and become productive citizens and 
then help with that organization. Like, I love what they're doing. They're doing some absolutely amazing things. If you've ever got to meet Alex, that dude is unbelievably energetic, and I love being around him. Um, and we want you guys to know what they're doing so we can also be praying for them. They're expecting their second um, baby coming in, I believe, November. They're going to be traveling some in September, so we want you to see them. And also, when you have this card in your, in your bulletin, take it home. Put it on a fridge. Put it somewhere where you see their faces. Pray for them. There's a number of them. You can pray for one each day of the week. But we want you to be able to take this home so you can kind of see, hey, not only are we saying we want to go, but we want to support we have Phil and Marianne Chain, our Mexico missions. Um, they do a number of different things from medical stuff to backpack ministry, working with children, working with families, kind of in the interior of Mexico, doing an unbelievable job, and we need to be praying for them. COVID has hit them really hard. A lot of the opportunities and outreaches that they do, they kind of had to put on hold for a little bit, and that's tough for a missionary when you know God's called you to that, and so we want to lift them up. We have our Israel Media Ministry uh, with Zev. Uh, some of you got to meet him. Zev was here a couple years ago, took us through what's known as a Seder dinner or a Passover dinner. Unbelievable to see how much Jesus, just the images of Jesus in that dinner. Um, and he has this unbelievable ministry where they use media outlets like YouTube and music and entertainment to reach God's people. The people that said, hey, we don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And they're through that media ministry seeing a number, number, number of people go, oh, Scripture, that prophecy was right. Jesus is the Messiah, falling in love with him and becoming a follower of Christ. And so Zev's doing amazing things. We have the Smith family. Um, this is one we cannot give you a lot of information on. I don't want that to sound ambiguous. I want to tell you why. It's because they work in an area where if their identity and what they were doing was known, um, it would be extremely dangerous for them. I got the chance to meet them. Most of you probably won't. And again, that's not anything against our church. It is a security issue. Like any time that they have in the past met with churches, it's phones have to be put away because we live in that world. Something as simple as a picture can be dangerous for them. And I want you to know they're working in a very, very dark, difficult area. And we want to protect their identity. We love supporting them. I love what they're doing. They've been doing it for decades now. We also have the Jones family. Now, some of you, if you've been with us for a while, are like, I haven't seen that one before. Um, you'll notice that we probably didn't say one name, um, and so the astute listener can figure it out. But we had a family that we support in Asia that moved to another country where they're very, very hostile to the gospel. And it became apparent that, hey, we need to protect their identity. And again, just know that they're doing very amazing ministry work in a place that is very hostile to the gospel. And so praise God that he's watching over and we pray for safety for both of those families they're not really the Smith and Jones family. Um, but we, we want to lift them up because what they're doing is powerful across the globe. And then we have some local ones. We have our food pantry that Kristen mentioned a little bit earlier. Third Saturday of every month, we get the opportunity to reach out to friends and community and neighbors in Abilene and help them where they need it. And in that time of doing the pantry, I've seen tears. I've seen laughter. I've seen people praying with one another. I've seen people accepting Christ. I love this ministry. I love that we have the opportunity to meet a physical need, and in doing that, we get the opportunity to reach out to people who just need a little hope and share with them and watch people come alongside and serve together. And, man, it takes a lot. And so I encourage you, like, during the week when we have these days leading up to it, um, there's not some, like, magical Disney fairy that, like, just makes all the, you know, there's not a song and dance that breaks out in the gym and suddenly all these boxes are put together, um, you know, inanimate objects making it happen. It takes people. 
Um, it takes people putting those boxes together and sorting and making that happen and then on Saturday handing those out and looking people in the face and hearing their stories and praying with them and loving on them. And I love that we get the opportunity to do that and the impact that that's made. It's grown pretty much every year. We also support Pregnancy Resources of Abilene. It's kind of a new one for us. Young ladies going through a lot. Young ladies hearing a lot of voices. A lot of outside voices. And I'm just going to say it, a lot of those voices are straight from hell. Here's an opportunity to give them a message of hope and love. And Sorry, that one always gets me a little bit. So there's the ministries that we support. So when we talk about we give, there's some of the areas that it goes to. Some of it stays here in Abilene. Some of it goes off to Russia and Mexico and Asia and different places. We've supported different ministries over the years and reached out and said, hey, there's people that are hurting and had diff- different things that we were able to help with. We watch as our kids raise a ton of money to be able to send to Haiti. Mission is important to us. And within that, we want to be active. We want to create opportunities. Some of them local. Some of you may say, look, it will be very difficult for me for whatever circumstance to go on an international mission trip. There's time element, there's commitment, there's cost, all of that. And so we say, hey, we want to do some things locally. Like, it doesn't cost anything to come and help with the pantry. We'll have a good time. We'll have some laughs. We'll have some tears at times. Like, it's a lot of fun whenever we serve together on mission. At the same time, we want to do other things. We want to get involved with places like Pregnancy Resource because it's local. And we want to be able to put together as a staff and organization, like we want to create opportunities for us to be able to do mission. I understand that a lot of times if you don't have a background in that, it's like I don't know where to start, so we want to help with that. So in the future, like we've done mission trips in the past, in the future we will do some of those. I'd love to be able to go to Russia and hang out with Alex and see what that's like. Um, We want to be able to put some trips like that together. We want to be able to put trips together where as a body we can come together and I know the last one we went on was to Haiti and a bunch of those people didn't know each other that well. By the end of it, they're great friends. I've never come back from a mission trip and been like, well, I don't know these people. Um, You don't really have a choice. (laughs) You're going to get to know a whole lot about everybody depending on where you go and it's absolutely life-changing. We want to create those opportunities so in the months to come, you're going to hear about some of them and I would encourage you because... This is not just something that we say, hey, so-and-so is called to missions. Now, sometimes when people go as missionaries, I do believe that's a calling. And it's an equipping that God's placed in their life. And it's a very, very high calling. You talk about go. When you say, hey, I'm willing to leave everything that I know for decades at times and go on mission, that's big and heavy. But I know every one of us, because of the Great Commission, we're called to do something. Locally, statewide, nationwide, worldwide. God's calling us. We want this to be a hallmark of our church. We want this to be something that we are known for because we are on mission. The end of the age hasn't come yet. Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. To the end of this age, he'll be with us. Then he'll be with us for all eternity. But the end of this age hasn't come yet. There's too many people out there that don't know what it looks like to worship God through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the opportunity to take that. And I pray we take that step and follow it. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for all that you're doing, God. Thank you for the things that you've called us to.
God, we're called on mission through the gospel. The only way that we're called is if we're in you. And the only way that we're in you is through Jesus Christ. Sometimes the idea of going seems impossible because we've never taken that first step to even know what the gospel is. To know what it looks like to follow Christ. Father, if there's anyone that's here today and they don't know what it looks like to experience the love and grace that comes through Jesus Christ, but every time we talk about it, there's something in them going, I, I need that. If that's you today, whether you're here in person, if you're watching online, God, I just would encourage you to say, God, as best as I know how, I want to come to you. I want to turn away from my old life. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and follow him. In that instant, Grace is poured out, and the idea of mission is even possible. So if you did that today, I would encourage you, put that on a Connect card. Come and talk to one of us. We want to celebrate that. For those of us that are in Christ and we're growing, God, I pray that you will put a deep passion for your call in our lives. Not one that we would shy away from, God. One that we would see as it's doable because you're there. You have the authority. You walk with us. God, let that be a comfort to us as we go on mission. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.